uh, you see, of course, we got, uh, Brother Wayne, do you want to do those lights for me there so they can see it a little bit better? Great, that works a little better. Um, we're going to be talking about this subject tonight, understanding who we are in Christ. Uh, there's a lot of um, conflict that goes on in the minds of Christians, and honestly, it's because we, we just aren't really solid on who we are. Well, we're not really solid on, on our relationship with Christ. And so uh, it causes uh, a lot of, of stress that truthfully, uh, I've done hundreds and hundreds of counseling sessions with, with young people that are just like this, that feel like they're worthless. They feel like no matter what they do, how much they try, God's against them. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, tonight and uh, see if we can help. It's called what a term is spiritual warfare. And the first point, we'll see some scripture here in just a minute. We'll turn to it. But Satan was defeated in heaven when God threw him out. So we, you know, this first point, we understand Satan's been defeated. I mean, he was cast out of heaven. So Satan was defeated on earth in the wilderness by Jesus. Jesus just spoke the word to him and said, you know, the, the, this is what the word of God says, and you have no power. And so then Satan was defeated in hell when, uh, by Jesus after his death on the cross. Satan has been totally defeated by God. So we might as well come to this conclusion, Satan's not stupid. So here's the conclusion that we have. Satan is not trying to defeat God. He's already lost. He's lost, and he knows he cannot win. Now, I'll be honest with you, how he thought he could in the first place really boggles my mind, and there's some things I'm going to have to talk to God about. I don't, uh, but he fought against God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be equal with God, and, and, but he's not trying to defeat God. And again, we're going to look at Scripture and find this out. He knows he can't do that. Satan's target really is not the lost man. Now, he doesn't want the lost man to get saved, but here's the real target that Satan has. Satan's target is the church. And this is why I try to, I, I, I try to, uh, in talking to Marco uh, yesterday, wasn't it yesterday? Talking to Marco yesterday and, and uh, Faith a little bit yesterday. You know, when you make a step towards a decision for Christ, there's a, a lot of philosophy that, that, that's out there that permeates Christianity that says, you know, well, everything's good now. Well, let me tell you, no, the war is on now. The, the battle's on now. Satan's after you now. And we have to understand that. And, and what, in addition to that, this is going to be strange, but in addition to that, the Holy Spirit comes in. So you got a, you got a battle going on inside because he's there to clean you up. And he's telling you that things are wrong that you never thought were wrong before. And, you're, and, and it's just like, whoa, time out. I, I was partying and having a great time. What happened? How come I'm not having fun anymore? And this, this Christianity thing hasn't done anything but make me miserable. Okay, and that's what the, Satan wants to do. He wants you to think that's the life of the Christian is miserable. And so his attack is against the church. Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 says, He shall speak great words against the Most High, and look at this, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Wear out. What terminology? You know what? He's trying to wear us down. He's trying to beat us up. Now watch this. 
Satan cannot defeat me. When I, when I was boxing, can I tell you that, that I could make it through. I never got knocked down, never got knocked out, and I was determined three minutes, I can make it through three minutes because I don't care what he does to me. I'm going to get there to the end of that bell, you know. I'm going to make it through. Now, the reason was is because you got three in amateur boxing, three three-minute rounds. Well, the truth is, anybody can make it through three three-minute rounds because they end. But you know, this, this fight we're in with Satan in this life goes on every day. It goes on every night. It goes on when we wake up. It goes on when we go to sleep. It is a continuous battle. And so he's there to wear us out, just wear us down. And so... Revelation 13, 7 says, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Look at that. He's to make war with the saints, not the lost, not the world, with the saints. To overcome them, you and I are the battlefield. We're the ones he's after. Revelation 12, 12 says, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And his time is getting shorter and shorter. So the shorter the, his time becomes, the greater his wrath becomes. The greater his intensity of the attack, it comes. And so that's our battle right now. And uh, just this little basic thing right here. Salvation is the threefold work of God. The spirit the past, the work of justification, the moment you get saved, you're justified. Your justification takes place. There's something going to happen in the future. Our body, the future, is a work of glorification. One day, to have that perfect body. Amen? Amen. Most of you don't understand what that means. I've had to live with that torment my whole life. And so, uh, but, uh, amen. And so, but right now, here's where we're at, the soul, the present, the work of sanctification. So there's a work going on right now, sanctification. That's becoming more like God, becoming more like Christ. And that's an ongoing work. Nobody ever reaches that in this life. But we are working that direction. We're becoming more like Him. So now, here's the real thing. We're saved, but we're not sanctified. We are being sanctified, but look, our spirit has been made alive through justification, but our soul may or may not be in the process of sanctification, even as Christians. There's a lot of Christians, they're not becoming more sanctified. They're not growing to be more like Christ. The Bible is not something that we ever even look at. We, and if they do, it's not something to be lived. It's just something to be possessed, or even at the best, it's knowledge to be attained. But it's not. It's a book to be lived. It's a book to be obeyed. And so here's how do, how do, we, how do I begin. Said so right here, understanding the enemy. 2 Corinthians, and hopefully that's big enough to read, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. And this is your, our primary text tonight. For, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So this war is not a fleshly war that we're in. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, that's what Satan does. He creates strongholds in us. 
and we've got to pull those down. Now, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, the stronghold, stronghold is a castle, a fortress, meaning to fortify through an idea. Now, I want you to get this. This is what Satan's doing, he's, and he's done it. It, it. Forgive me, it's in his room right now. You say, how do you know? Because this is something I still have to battle. And let me help you. Every one of you do too. Satan is very subtle, and he is planting in deeply into us some things that... Honestly, we will sort of win the victory over them and say, no, I've got joy, I've got peace because I know it's not true. But boy, all it takes is just to get punched a little bit. All it takes is to get knocked down a time or two. All it takes is to have fear kind of overwhelm you. And you have to stop and beg God and say, Lord, you've not given me the spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. And so look at what it says here. The stronghold is a lie. A false idea that a person believes is true. This is so hard to deal with. People, this, the hardest thing in the world is when somebody is convinced that a lie is true. It's so true to them that they are literally held in bondage by that thought. People live in torment simply because they've believed a lie. And, and, and it is said in our world that, you know, you tell a lie enough, it'll become truth. Well, listen, Satan was the creator of that. He tells that lie to us over and over and over and over and over again. And, and I'm, I'm begging you, 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 you've got to understand there are things that God says are not true that Satan's telling you are true, and you've got to cleanse those things out of your mind. Uh, when you look at every situation and feel like, okay, I know it's going to turn out bad, why do you do that? Because Satan's told you that basically you're not worth anything turning out good for. So... All right, so our same passage, but we're going to look at another word, knowledge. Knowledge is the knowledge and understanding of the things of God, the moral wisdom concerning that which is right and wrong. Very simply, knowledge, the Word of God, the Bible. And so casting down imagination, everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And so these lies and these imaginations, they are contradicting the Word of God. And how do we cast them down? By the Word of God. We've got faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You've got to get the Word of God in you. And so we go next, same passage. We're going to look at another word, thoughts. You see, and then bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience. Thought is a mental perception, just a mental perception. What we think in our mind. Lies that can become truths to our mind, and this is, this is very simplistic, but this is the ground-level battle that, that people fight, Christian, good Christians fight, and here it is. 
Okay, so we understand a stronghold is a lie, a false idea that a person believes is true and, and it's so true to them that they are literally held in bondage by that thought. The enemy's lies will come at a person in three different ways. Lies about God. Because, see, Satan speaks against the Most High. So he hasn't changed his methods. He's going to lie to us about God. He's lied to some in here about God. He's going to lie to us about others. Uh, that's what hurts the church greatly. That's Honestly, it's the reason churches split. That's the reason... Because very simply, it's, it's, it's never really a, a true, well, I say it's hardly ever a true issue. Uh, it's so much of the time, it's some lie where somebody believes, somebody thinks something about them, somebody, you know, has heard that somebody said something, done something. Listen, we don't, we don't have time for that. We got to get a hold to God. He's the accuser of the brethren, and then, Lies about yourself, and this is really where this, this generation, uh, that's where he's really attacking uh, the Christians. Now, uh, we've got a two-fold generation going on. We've got those that want to seek God, and, and Satan condemns them. He condemns them. No matter how hard they try, they're going to fail. So, but, but we've got another faction of this generation that honestly is, is kind of above co condemnation. And so it's a, it's a pride thing going on, but lies about yourself and because we're talking to the church tonight. So lies about God. And again, this is very simplistic, but this is what he says is God does not really love you. Now, does the scripture say God loves you? So if he really loves you, does he want what's best for you? So why is things going bad for you? And what is Satan telling you when things go bad for you? Come on, y'all. Oh, God must be mad at you. You must have messed up someplace. You must have done something wrong. Well, let me help you. Even those things were true, God's love never changes. The one thing you can hold on to, God's love never changes. He always does, always will love you. Number two, God does not really accept you. That's a big, big issue. Listen, God accepts you. He may not accept your sin, but you, you're his. He loves you and he accepts you. Number three, God does not care about you. Look, apparently God doesn't even care what's going on to me. God doesn't even, hey, listen, don't look at me like it never happened. I'm living through it right now. Lord, you sent me here. You put me in that house. Help now. Did you forget I was down here? Hey, Lord, you forgot one little detail. I got to sell the other house. And you get tired and you get weary. And as the days go by and as they pick up the phone, they call you and say, this is the realtor. Uh, we're... 30 days out from our closing date, have you sold your house? No. Uh, and there's a long pause on the phone. Thank you, sir. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I mean, thankfully I've got a realtor that he even came over and prayed with me today. So he must get stressed too. So <laughs> He doesn't care about you, but listen, God always cares about you. 
God, my, my goodness, if he'll send his son to die for you, he must care about you. Oh, I'm sorry. God is not fair. It's just not right. How come it goes good for other people and it don't go good for me? Yeah, I had one of my friends, he, his, his parents were moving into another ministry and he, he called me and he said, wow, my parents put their house up for sale and they had 26 showings in three days and sold it in three days, 10,000 more than they were asking for it. God ripped you off. That's what some of y'all thinking about your pastor now. Man, what did we get? <laughs> God cares about others more than you. You ever go up to somebody and say, would you please pray for me, but you don't pray for yourself? You know why you do that? Because you think God would hear somebody else, but he wouldn't hear you. Guess what? He'll hear you. It's problem not him hearing you. The problem is us believing that he's hearing. Ah, uh, God cannot use me. Be honest with you. The, the hardest thing I have to do is lose my wife from here and for her to go away because I'm into a world that I've never been in before been in every kind of ministry, every kind of thing, ever done all kinds of things, been all over the world. I've never pastored before. And I need her every Sunday and every Wednesday to tell me, you're doing good. I do. I need her to say, it's okay, baby, you're doing good. Because she's just really a good liar. So. God cannot forgive me. And I've talked to those that God can't forgive me for what I've done. I knew better than to do it. I knew I shouldn't do it. I intentionally did it. God could never forgive me. Let me help you. God forgives us all. If we will confess, his word is true. If we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if he doesn't forgive you, he's a liar and God cannot lie. God cannot be trusted, and that's what Satan's really trying to get to. He's trying to get to the point that you just can't trust God to take care of you. You can't do it. So, next is lies about others. And that's where our relationship situation comes. He says nobody cares. Now, every junior higher teenager at some point, somewhere along the way, Every church member someplace, somewhere along the way is at some point whispered, uttered, screamed, nobody cares. It's happened to us. I feel like, do I even know what I'm going through? Do I even care what I'm going through? Can I tell you right now, and thank you all for what you're doing for the Hansons and the different ones, because this is really, really a hard time. And it's so easy when you sit in a home for hours and hours alone 
to start to think, the whisperer starts coming in. And he whispers in the ear, they don't care about you anymore. You don't do them any good anymore. I'll be honest with you, as soon as now school's out, I, I really want to get the group of the teenagers, get some, I'd love to, whether if she'll let us, I don't know if she'll let us or not, but I'd love to be able to go over there and the boys, have, let's go clean up the yard and the girls go clean up the house and do whatever needs, cook them a meal. Just, we can go from there and then we'll, as soon as we do that, then we'll go out to the Cummins house and, and we'll do the same out there. They've got to know somebody cares. Because he's lying to him, he says, nobody cares. Nobody loves me. The preacher is against me. Do you feel that way? Well, you should, because I am. So, <laughs> no. The church does not accept me. And that's the greatest fear I have, those that come in, they get in church, and, and maybe they don't dress like, don't look like, don't talk like, don't think like we do. I don't want... And young people, I beg you, you've been a tight little clique for a long time. When you see other young people come in, break up and go talk to them. Invite them in to sit with you. Invite them in to be with you because they will walk back out the door and feel like they don't want me. No one understands me. That's, uh, that's just a constant thing. I've heard that at least 9,783 times. Said you count them? No, but it has to be. Everyone is a hypocrite. Well, let me help you. That's the only true thing that Satan said we all are. So, okay. My parents do or did not love me, and, that's, and hopefully that really should not be. Hopefully it's not an issue here with most of the kids that we have here, but that's going on a lot in our, in the, even in our churches. Lots and lots of young people. Those last two, they feel like their parents are hypocrites and they feel like they don't love them because it was all about the dad's career. It was all about moving up the corporate ladder. It was all about being a success. It was all about, and forgive me, in this day and age, it was all about mama's things. But it wasn't about them. So we go from that to lies about yourself. Lies about yourself. Satan tells you, I'll never amount to anything, and he'll beat you with that no matter how hard I try. I'm stupid. You ever felt that way, Jordan? <laughs> I don't know why you popped into my mind, but I just... <laughs> I'm ugly. You ever felt that way, Jordan? Ah, look at this one. I can't get the victory. Let me help you. In this life, we're not going to get the victory. We may win some battles, and I like to win more than I lose, but bless God, we, you don't just win. Oh, we just glide on now. That's not going to happen. It's a battle. It's a fight. And you know what? You're going to win some. You're going to lose some. And you'll get up and get beat up and you'll get up and keep going. 
I can't get the victory. But the truth is, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm worthless. I'm filthy and dirty and cannot be used. Again, I've dealt with a lot of young people that just already in their young life just feel like there's no coming back from where I've been. I'm not accepted. I'll never be loved. I cannot do anything for God. And, 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 and the reason I give so much of my testimony, especially marriage uh, seminars and different things that we do, I give my testimony almost all the time, is I'm trying to convince people, don't let Satan lie to you. I don't care who you are, where you came from, God can use you. If he could use us, he can use anybody. So, our weapon, here's the weapon, it's real simple, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's the word of God that we've got to get in our hearts and minds and permeate our hearts and minds because it's the word of God that will overcome the lies. It's the word of God that will tear down the strongholds. It's the word of God that will show us the promises of God that, that over, uh, supersede the lies of Satan. And we've got to get, and it can't be just a book on the shelf. It's got to be something we get all the, I, I was thrilled. I, I was out here uh, cutting grass and doing things yesterday. And Randy, uh, honestly, I'm just coming out because I'm getting him out. Amen, and, uh, and, and uh, he put his earbuds in, and, and he's riding the mower while I'm weed-eating. There's something wrong with that picture. Um, but I'm out there, and I'm pushing, I push more, and I, look, this is how stupid your pastor is. I pushed it for two hours before I realized that little lever makes it go. <laughs> two stinking hours. I got a blisters on my hand. And then finally I said, what's that thing? <laughs> ah, it's crazy. But Randy came back, and when he walked back over to me, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, man, he's, on, he's cutting grass and probably listening to who knows what. And he came back, and he said, wow, just got through listening to the whole book of Exodus. I said, praise God. I said, did you hear anything good? He didn't answer. So uh, no, he just said, it's just a whole lot of things about what you're supposed to do. No, he said, no, a whole lot of things about Moses. Well, good. What we think or what God says, that's the whole issue. The devil lies to us that what we think, the lies of Satan, our emotions, that's really Satan uses our emotions, supersede the word of God. And ladies, let me help you now. I'm just telling you what my wife says. She says that a woman tends to trust her emotions over truth. She says, all the time when I counsel them, they'll say, I know what the Bible says, but you don't know my situation, Mrs. Hooker. You don't know what I've been through. And she'll say, but this is what the Bible says. And they'll say, I know what the Bible says, but. Listen, there's no but. The Bible's always true. Our emotions are not truth. Our emotions are only as powerful as we allow them to be. The Word of God is the weapon that can overcome the negative emotions of the heart. Please get that. The Word of God is the weapon that will overcome the negative emotions of the heart. I spent 
probably three months of my life at a time that I was going through a great trial. And I went through three months where I would walk for an hour or so in prayer, and I couldn't pray. And all I did for an hour walking would be to look at the God and say, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You say, what would you do then? Then I would say, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Say, so why were you doing that? That's all I could hold on to was the word of God. A powerful truth, the more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. So, overcome the lies by understanding who you are in Christ. And we're not going to get through this. i got to rework my brain here somehow or another. But uh, we have been crucified with Christ. Did you understand? Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You hear that? Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Who am I in Christ? I've been crucified with Christ. Who am I in Christ? We have been buried with Christ. Romans 6, 4 and 5. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And number 5, we have been raised up in Christ. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And Ephesians 2, 6, and he hath raised us up together. Who are we in Christ? You are a member of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Who are we in Christ? You have been adopted as God's child. Did you understand that? And we don't have time to go and explain an adoption in the scripture. We'll talk about it one day. But, but that's a very important part. We are adopted as a child of, of, of God's child. Ephesians 1, 5, having predestinated us to the, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Who are we in Christ? You, are, you have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.18, for through him we have both been, we have both, both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And who are we in Christ? You have been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who are you in Christ? You are complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And so we're not only complete in Christ, we're secure in Christ. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Do you understand that right now? According to the scripture, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 2, 6, and he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
and you are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Who, uh, you are secure in Christ, you may approach God with freedom and confidence, Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You are more than a conqueror. No matter what Satan tells you, you are more than a conqueror. As a child of God, you are more than a conqueror. Romans 8.37, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Notice that we're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. More than conquerors through him that loved us. The truth will make you free. The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. What life would you choose? Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Romans 16, 19, and 20, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. If you understand who you are in Christ and how secure you are in Christ, and you understand that the word of God is your weapon against Satan, we don't have to believe the lies. We can tear down the strongholds. And it's not us. It's the Word of God. And the Word of God and the fact that I am in Christ. I don't have strength or power. I have strength or power through Jesus. I don't have authority. I have authority through Jesus. So, that's our lesson. I hope maybe help someone let's pray father i pray that you bless lord